Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. It's morning for me. Welcome to the Bidgetpedia podcast. I'm your host, Dahlia Bradshaw. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're joining us again, welcome back. I feel like I need to say this because I don't say it as like a disclaimer in any of my podcasts. I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I'm just a person. I've got a hospitality management degree. I, I just thoroughly enjoy research. I love studying psychology and I have been on a spiritual path, a spiritual journey um, for about two years now. So since 2020 when the apocalypse happened and I've just been researching and kind of using this podcast to share all of the things that I've learned. So take the advice that I give you with the idea that I am not a professional and I'm just giving you the pieces of advice um, that I think would help me in my journey and the things that I would have liked to hear in my journey. And with that being said, today I want to talk about something called learned helplessness. And this is something that came to my attention right around the time I was thinking about going to New York. And if you haven't heard, you can listen to my last episode, my last podcast episode about my trip to New York I took it um, to go to a content creator's event, basically. It was a woman that I met, Jenny Blaze. She was on a a podcast called Bravo and Blaze. And I'm not going to recap the entire episode, but just setting you up. Um, We met on the internet and we had FaceTimed a few times and she invited me to go to this content creator's event and... I had never, I'd flown once on a plane. I'd never traveled by myself. I've never been north. I live in Mississippi now. I've never traveled north of Tennessee. Like, I've the only time I've been out of the country has been on a cruise to Mexico. So, like, it was a big, scary thing for me. And when I started thinking about, you know, could I do it, all of these voices started coming in my head. And I kind of had to identify um, whose voices they were because I didn't think they were mine, or maybe I thought they were mine, and then eventually realized they did not belong to me. And I don't even remember where I heard the term learned helplessness, but as soon as I heard it, I was like, that's it. That's that's what it is, is I've been told that I can't do it enough times that now I believe it. And let me just say, I'll read this um, definition. I'm recording all of this. By the way, I'm recording all of this on my phone because my son spilled a drink on my computer. So my computer is currently not working, but we're going to get it fixed. We're not going to stress about it um, because I'm not helpless. So I have made the switch over to my phone. So I'm recording and trying to look things up on my phone as we go. So Uh, Bear with me. It says, learned helplessness is a state that occurs after a person has experienced a stressful situation repeatedly. They come to believe that they are unable to control or change the situation, so they do not try, even when opportunities become available. So... There is, there are a few experiments that they talk about when you research this, and it's basically if you regularly perform poorly on a test. We'll use this as an example. If you regularly perform poorly on a test, even after studying, you may start to believe that no matter how much you study, you're not going to get a good grade, right? It's this 
developed idea that you, no matter how hard you try, it's not going to make an impact. And there are a couple of things that lead to this, um, traumatic events (laughs) for one, but also I think more in my case, it was, uh, for my mom, I'm not even trying to like pinpoint her or call her out, but it was kind of like, you know, helicopter mom vibes of you want your kid, you don't want your kid to suffer. You don't want your kid to go through anything. So you, you protect them, you know, and that's kind of how it came across to me was like when I told, and I hesitated to even tell my mom, I didn't tell her about it in the beginning because she's kind of the killer of dreams sometimes. And she, I know she has said this to me before where she was like, oh yeah, apparently I'm the killer of dreams, but like, yeah, kind of because, and it comes from a good place. That's the thing is like, it doesn't have to come from a bad place. It can come from her not wanting me to suffer. So when she thinks about me, like being out in the big world by myself, it scares her and that's okay. I understand that, you know, because I can be scared too, but I needed someone to tell me, you know, you're capable and She thinks that I'm capable of a lot of things. Both of my parents think that I'm capable of a lot of things. But I think they worry because if I don't succeed, they know how hard I am on myself. So they would rather just keep me in this tiny bubble protected, you know, that way I never have to get hurt. So when I started thinking about like, could I travel alone? I kind of forgot how capable I am. And I had to remind myself, like, you've raised a child, You've graduated from college. You've done all of these things. I wanted to get certified to be a yoga teacher. I did that, you know, and I I kept racking my brain. I was like, when's the last time that you tried to accomplish something that you didn't? And just nothing was coming up, you know? I think if I want something badly enough, I can achieve it. And that tenacity that I had as a younger child, I kind of had to channel my younger self because she didn't give a fuck if anyone told her she couldn't do it. She was going to do it anyway. You know, she listens to them say she can't do it all the way to the bank, basically. Um, so I kind of had to check into that and was like, you know, I, I think I have something to prove not, not to other people because that's not the end goal, but to myself, because I was like, you know, I think I can do it, but what if I can't? But there's only one way to find out, you know. So I had to do something that scared me. And going to New York scared me. It's It really scared me because I made, I mean, I had anxiety. Even the entire process before scared me. You know, I um, I got the flight. We booked the flight probably a month ahead of time. And I could feel myself starting to get nervous. So I kept saying, I'm going to take this one step at a time. I'm not going to stress about the trip until I get there. But then the voice inside my head was like, you know, if you're, if you're not stressing out, something's wrong. Like what, you need to be more stressed about this. You know, you need to have more anxiety about this. Did you check the hotel? Like these are the voices in my head. It was like, well, did you get the hotel? Because what if it's a scam? And then my, you know, my parents are like, you met someone on the internet. Like that sounds, that sounds fake. My ex-husband, when I told him, because I sent him a text, hey, I'm going to be in New York. You know, these are the dates. I need you to take our son on these dates and make sure it's all handled. He was like, I'm going to send you this podcast episode about basically the exact same situation that I was going through, but it all turning out to be a scam. And he sent me the link to the podcast and it said scam likely, I think was the name of it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, why are you sending me this? Why are people so 
insistent that this is something bad, you know, and it's, I, I tried to tell myself like it's coming from a good place cause they're nervous and they let their ideas and their fears step in. But for me, I kind of had to block everyone else out and was like, I'm going to do it no matter what. So I just can't listen to the, to the noise, you know? So putting those, um, thoughts to the side until I could get to the actual experience. And then when I did, I caught myself kind of tailoring out the people in my life who didn't support me, whether it was coming from a good place or not. You know, I I don't have people. I mean, there are definitely these people who exist who tell me like, you know, you can't do it or say it behind my back at least, maybe not to my face, but we'll say it behind my back. But the people who love me are like, you know, well, I don't, it just makes me nervous. And it's just planting that little seed of doubt in my head that makes me think, well, I shouldn't even try then, you know? So that's one of the ways that you can combat learned helplessness is to pick a goal and you can start with something small. If this is something that's resonating with you, start with something small, maybe. Um, another example I can think of is the 30 days of yoga when I did, and I have a podcast episode about that as well. I did the 30 days of yoga with Adrian. She has several of them, but you can pick the first one. I think is called just 30 days of yoga. And I had a problem being consistent and I, I knew that about myself, you know, it's still something, probably my greatest struggle is struggling with consistency. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Fear of failure, fear of success, you know, all those things factor in, but I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. So I set a goal and I said 30 days, no missed days. If I miss a day, cause there has to be repercussions for my action, right? I said, if I miss a day, I have to start back at day one. And it taught me a lot. And I talk about it in the podcast that I recorded that, you know, day 17, um, I hit my knee and I hurt myself normally when I would have given up and used that as an excuse to just clock out. I didn't. I said, no, I'm not starting back at day one, you know, because there were repercussions. So I said, I'm not starting back at day one. So I iced my knee. I took medicine. I rested. I did the things that I'm supposed to do that normally I probably, not probably, definitely would not have done. And the next day when I woke up, I still took it easy on myself, but I was able to do the lesson and the parts that were you know, too hard that I couldn't do in the class, in the yoga sequence, like if there was something that was on my knee, I took it easy on myself. I didn't guilt myself or shame myself like, you idiot, you can't even do this pose because your knees hurt. No, it was like, you know, okay, well, normally on my best days, I could probably do that. But today I can't and that's fine. We're just going to do what we can today. And then tomorrow, maybe it'll get a little easier. And then if you remember from that podcast or if you haven't listened yet, spoiler alert, uh, the day that I really wanted to give up was day 29. And that told me a lot. (laughs) You know, it's the finishing of the tasks that are difficult for me. And Gabby Bernstein, I just listened to a podcast. I was going to try to play the audio, but it's again, I'm on my phone, not my computer, so I can't play it. But they talk about this term. She said this term called upper limiting. And it's basically... Limiting yourself and limiting your success, like putting a cap on your success. And she said it comes from, you know, fear of failure or fear of success. And if it's fear of success, it could be that idea that making yourself big 
is dangerous. Being seen is dangerous, you know, and that there is a time, she said it so beautifully. I can't remember the name of the guest she had on the podcast, um, but she said it so beautifully. She was talking about how that trauma response, basically, of making ourselves small does serve a beautiful purpose and it has served us before you know if you think that you're in the wilderness and there's like a bear coming to attack you if you hide and make yourself small and wait until the bear goes away like wait until the threat has passed it serves you but there's a time that we have to step out and we have to eventually experience our life and yeah it's scary but let me tell you something the everyone kept saying you know and reminding me the everything that you want is on the other side of fear. And it was. And I got overwhelmed thinking about the trip a month ahead of time. So I just didn't think about it. I made the, I took the steps that I needed to do. I booked the hotel. Um, I booked the flight. And then everything else, I was like, we're going to figure it out as we go. I'm going by myself. And it was beautiful, by the way. I 100% I love traveling by myself because I didn't have to worry about anyone else what they wanted to see what they wanted to do when they wanted to eat I was able to just live and exist and it was honestly so amazing but it did prove to me like I can do anything that I set my mind to I can do scary things that's one of my affirmations I've said it on here before you know um oh my god the the name is Glennon Doyle she uh she says I can do hard things so I said that for a long time And I use that as my affirmation. And then once I realized I could do hard things, I said, well, sometimes there are things that scare me that make me not want to move forward. So I started affirming to myself, I can do scary things. And that's what this New York trip was. Like it, you know, learned helplessness made me think, I'm not, what am I going to do if I get up there and something bad happens? Like I'm not equipped to deal with it, you know, but I showed myself that I could and I took it one step at a time. That's how you have to do it. You have to do it one step at a time because there were even days like the airport, for instance, I had anxiety about getting on the plane. You know, I had a huge fear of flying. I'd only flown once in my life when I was like 10 and it was only an hour long flight, but I went with my mom and, you know, a group of people and I'm pretty sure that was my first panic attack. So I had this fear of flying and I I kept saying like, I can't even think about the New York trip. All I have to worry about right now is getting on the plane. Once I get on the plane, then we'll worry about New York. Like once I land in New York, then it's time to worry about New York. But before that, no. And the voice in my head said, that's irresponsible and that's dumb. You need to plan everything in advance. You know, you need to have this whole, uh, basically itinerary set up for my entire trip and I didn't do that and it didn't matter and obviously there are times when you know it would matter um but like I had a direct flight so I didn't have to worry about connecting flights which by the way I feel like I'm gonna do forever and always (laughs) like if that's available never want to have connecting flights um because that stresses me out so but I I set myself up for success beforehand you know I knew Getting on the plane and um, dealing with luggage was going to stress me out. So I said, I'm going to pack just enough because I was only gone for three days. So I'm going to pack just enough that I'll be able to carry everything on and I won't have to, you know, check a bag and do all those things. So, because I didn't know how to do that. So I was like, well, not today. I'm just going to pack everything and I'll pack little, I packed, um, (laughs) I said the skimpier I dress. 
the more room I'll have in my luggage. So I just packed tiny little shirts, you know, a pair of jeans, you know, just a couple pairs of shoes. And I was like, I'll wear whatever I need onto the plane. Like we adapt, right? So doing that showed me that I can take it. If I take it one step at a time, I will move through it. But the, the overwhelm is what stops me. When it gets to be too big, that's when I stop. So I had to do the little things and take the little necessary steps to get me through it. And rather than feeling like that was me being unprepared, I, I, I had to redirect that thought process and say, no, I'm taking it one step at a time. And that's what I did until the very, very end of the trip. I took it one step at a time and it worked out beautifully. And I wrote a couple of, um, notes about learned helplessness as well so that you'll be able to recognize it. So these are three elements of learned helplessness if this resonates with you. Um, Number one, becoming passive when confronted with traumatic events. So, okay, well, let me say, I'll go back. Number two, difficulty believing trauma can be controlled. And number three, increase in stress levels. And that's the thing. It's that, it's kind of that shutdown. Think like, fawn response, you know, that you're becoming passive when confronted with traumatic events, that you just sit down and wait. And it's that idea that things happen to you, that you have no control of your life. And I lived my life that way for a very long time. But, you know, through this self-help journey and my spiritual awakening and listening to people like Tony Robbins say, you know, things happen for you and not to you. When I started putting those ideas into play, that this is happening for me. Why is this happening for me? Why is this happening for me? Not to me, before me. To me, not to me, before me. Um, it changed everything. And it made me realize that the universe, like the, the book The Alchemist says, the universe conspires to help us. But we have to take the right actionable steps And we have to keep our mind focused. And the idea of surrender has been a big thing for me. Um, Over the last several weeks, that's kind of been a big buzzword that the universe is just putting right in front of me. Is the more you surrender, the more in control you are. And I know it seems so conflicting that if you surrender, you're in control. But... The more you release, it's basically releasing these ideas that limit us or block us, you know. So not necessarily learned helplessness when it comes to this rather than trying to control and say, well, I'm going to be super active. I'm going to go out and try to control everything. Like, No, 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 no. You just have to know that when something happens, you're capable of dealing with it and ignoring the problem rarely if ever makes it go away and that was kind of my thing too is like oh well it'll pan out and it will but there are certain actions and steps that you have to take so another idea I'm I feel like these are all podcast episodes that I had planned out and I'm kind of just compiling them all into one but another big thing that I've been hearing is um and Gabby Bernstein talks about it a lot progress not perfection and that's hard for me because not only am I I'm a Virgo, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I've been a control freak, you know, very um, into the details, and I want to 
have everything set up, you know, so that I can be in control. Because the more in control I am, the better things go, right? Wrong. The more you try to control a situation, the less likely it's going to turn out um, for the best. So what I mean by that is not just to be, you know, you don't want to be a leaf blowing in the wind. But you align yourself with the person that you want to be. So pick your end goal of who you want to be. So we'll say New York. I mean, we'll use this as an example. New York. What do I need to do? What are the things that I can control? I can't control what the weather's like. I can't control, you know, anything about flights being delayed. I can't do any of that. What are the things that I control? I need to control how to get down there. I can control how to get back. I can pack the clothes, you know, I can make the reservations, I can do the things, I can show up early. And those are the things that I can control. So I focused on those. And then I released everything else. And I'm telling you, it worked out like everything just worked out. I released the ideas that this was going to be scary and overwhelming. And I said, I'm going to take it one step at a time. And, and that's, what happened and it it played out perfectly and I showed myself that I am capable of doing much more than I thought I was and by the way not that this was the end goal either but my parents my mom you know I didn't I didn't tell my dad I was going at all um and my mom I told her at the very end and when she was panicking she's like I'm a little nervous I was like well don't say anything don't say don't say anything to me because I'm already nervous you know I don't need any more nerves like I'm good on that so unless it's support I don't want to hear it basically so my dad called me he sent me a text on um the day that I was literally in line to to get in on the plane and for TSA and he sent me a text I was like hey call me when you can so I was like mm, okay well that was a moment so I texted him I was like I'm actually getting on a flight to New York and we talked about it a little bit and you know I gave him the, kind of the general gist and obviously he was a little nervous but he kind of let it go um and he was like you know it's gonna be fine I've been to New York lots of times it'll be great and then the next day I think it was the next day when I woke up, I got a text from my mom that was like, we're actually really proud of you. Like, I think your dad is equally in awe um, that you've done all this by yourself. And I was like, yeah, thanks. And I proved it to them. But really, the person I needed to prove it to was myself. So this is a website, um, Chicago Tribune. They have a few ways to eliminate learned helplessness. And I can read these to you. Um, number one, change is possible. I'll, there's a lot on here, but I can read it honestly. Okay, number one, change is possible. If you don't think your finances or life can improve, you won't take any steps to make them better. You must first open your mind to the possibility that your current financial situation actually can improve. If you're still having a hard time accepting this, ask yourself if it is, if it is possible for your life to get worse because of steps you take. If your life can get worse as a result of your actions, there's no reason it can't get better too. And that's so true. If, you know, whatever you think is true, the opposite of that can be true as well. Um, Number two, think big. Think outside of your self-imposed restraints. If you think big enough, you will have the motivation to take the initial steps and fuel and the fuel to keep progressing, even in the face of challenges and disappointment. 
Number three, get perspective. If your friend were in your situation, wouldn't you encourage her to think about her situation objectively and to take whatever action is appropriate? What would you tell her? This is a big one for me. This is a big one for me. Putting myself in or putting my situation in the body of a friend who's asking me for advice. So saying like, okay, I have a friend who's going to New York and she's going for a content creator event. Like she got invited on the internet to go for Bravo. Like that's sick. She flew by herself. She was afraid of flying, but she flew by herself. When I put it in those terms, I can see what a big deal it is because I'm way harder on myself than I am on anyone else. Right. Um, so that's a big one. And number four, set goals. Just the act of setting goals will help you overcome the feeling that you have no control over your future. The energy and thought process required to set goals will get your mind thinking in a whole new way. This is what I was talking about, you know, not being a leaf blowing in the wind, but make a list of the things that you can control and then do things that are in alignment with the with that list or choosing the person that you want to be and making taking actions that that person would take. So when I thought about the New York trip, I printed a bunch of business cards because I was like, you know, this is something like what's something that I could do to help me be prepared when I'm down there. Business cards. When people ask for, you know, information or whatever, I'll have an email. I'll have something that I can hand out to them. So I did that and I, it made me feel more prepared. Number five, achieving successes. One of the best ways to overcome the belief that your actions don't affect your future is to start achieving small successes. This is what I was talking about with like, you know, the yoga. This is just something small that you can do that builds up because then eventually you start building up that momentum of having bigger and bigger goals that you're achieving. While goals must be big and motivating, there should also be small and achievable goals along the way. That's what I was just saying. Um, Number six, consider a different viewpoint. Dr. Seligman's research on learned helplessness inspired him to look at optimists and pessimists and examine how both types of people explain good and bad events. In his book, Authentic Happiness, he writes, optimistic people tend to interpret troubles as transient, controllable, and specific to one situation. Pessimistic people, in contrast, believe that their troubles last forever, undermine everything they do, and are uncontrollable. In short, if we can change the way that we explain the events that occur in our lives, we will be less likely to suffer from learned helplessness. And at the end, it says, you do have influence over your life. Even if you don't believe it right now, act as if you do. Start small so you can begin to see how your actions produce results. And that's it. That's that's the thing is you do have influence over your life. The idea that you are the creator of your life is something that I believe at the deepest level of my soul now, just vibrate vibrationally speaking, you know, you operate on high vibe or low vibe and what you put out, you attract. It's all, it all means the same thing, you know, like karma and all those things. It's all saying the same thing. What you give to the world is what you get. So controlling what you can, releasing the control of what you can't, these are the steps that you can take. Like that is the that is the only thing that you have to do when you wake up is think, what can I control today? What can I do today to make my day better? And then start taking those steps. Start doing things that are in alignment with the person that you want to be. So 
yesterday, for instance, because progress, not perfection, I gave myself permission to make a shitty video. I gave myself permission to make a shitty TikTok. And I went on a live, a, a, a TikTok live, because, you know, that's something I want to do is be in the public eye on social media. So I said, okay, well, rather than putting so much uh, pressure on every single live, how about we just start practicing? How about we just go live? Even if it's just six people, this is a good practice. This is a good, you know, I'm building up my comfortability to talk in public. And from there, things start to grow, you know, because it's not going to be perfect to begin with. And I'm not going to be able to start at the highest level. You know, I'm going to perform, quote unquote, perform like a band for a smaller number of people before I'm able to perform for giant, you know, studios. And that's how I want. That's what our arenas, that's what I want. I want to start small and work my way up, but congratulating yourselves or yourself for the, the big things that you're doing and the progress that you're making is the number one piece of advice that I would give you is to reward yourself and celebrate your successes when you overcome the thing that you were afraid of. Because on the other side of fear is everything that you want. Thank you guys so, so, so much for listening. And I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye.